Do you like to read novels? I enjoy them. I, uh, one of the types I enjoy are the suspense spy kind of novels. The Robert Ludlum, Born Supremacy, all of that, and Tom Clancy. One of the things I enjoy about those novels is when they begin, you just are given all of these events and people that just seem to have absolutely no relationship to each other. And in the really good ones, things are happening on different continents and, and just so varied people. And you think, how in the world is this all going to come together? And yet in the really good ones, often only in the last couple chapters, you see how it all starts to fit together and this set up this and this person needed to be here and all of this. And when it's all done, it's like, wow. That's what makes those novels enjoyable. Well, that's how God did the Christmas story. And I've tried to show you this December as we've looked at all these characters and we started them spread all across the stage, how everything was just such seemingly random, unrelated kinds of people and places and things and events. And yet now on Christmas Sunday, we get to celebrate as, as God's strategy is laid out and we get to see the whole picture. And we obviously have that advantage in history. And it's really not just a strategy or a plan that began with Zachariah and Elizabeth as they were told they would have a baby in their old age. Really, this plan goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. And God says to Satan, even as he has tempted and misled Adam and Eve, that word that says, yes, you will harm, but I will come back and I will defeat you. And so this story that we've been looking at since Genesis starts to all come together at Christmas. As the people have moved and, and everything is now ready and God says, it's happening. And as we get to look at God's plan, we get to see that it is an amazing plan. We have Mary and Joseph. The baby hasn't been born yet. You've got to come back on Christmas Eve to find out how this turns out. But Mary and Joseph have arrived at the stable. Everything is in readiness and, and the simplicity of God's plan. We've talked about that in December. We probably, none of us, in creating a screenplay, would have cast Mary and Joseph of Nazareth. A very common, basic young couple from a little backwoods village that you didn't go through. You went to Nazareth and you went back out the way you came. Because that's all Nazareth was. Their qualification, they love God. And they were willing to say, whatever you need me to do, God, I'll do it. I'll obey you. And it was that qualification that earned them the right to raise the Son of God. And so they have arrived in the simplicity of riding on a donkey. And they have shown up as all the things, all the arrows on the map start to come down to this little village called Bethlehem. And the humility that God shows us. 
that he was willing to say, I, I'm okay with being born in a stable. Uh, I, I may be the God of the universe and creating the Milky Way is nothing for me, but I'm okay. I'm okay. I don't need a palace. I don't need gold. I don't need marble. Uh, some of the animals I've created and some clean straw would be fine for me. And, and one angel, one angelic choir, that's all. Uh, Max Lucado, I don't know if you like Max Lucado, I, I love, and in one of his Christmas books, he writes of this discussion the angels are having with God, and I just love the picture he paints. Because God announces, it's time, I'm coming to earth. And the angels get all excited and start making these grand plans. I mean, this is a big deal. And God speaks back to the angels and says, no, we're not going to do all that. One angel, you go talk to the shepherds, one small choir, and you only get to sing one song. How frustrated the angels must have been. But you see, that's how God wanted to enter our world. In a stable. And, and I never really hit me till this week, working on this sermon, the angels weren't even at the stable. Only the shepherds got an angel. Well, Mary got an angel. Joseph got an angel in a dream. The shepherds got the choir. And when it came to the final birth, as far as based on the four Gospels, there was not an angel there. It was just a low-key, humble affair. And I think that's part of what makes it so beautiful for us. The whole story. And all about Christmas. I, every year we enjoy it and we love it because it's such a beautiful story. In its simplicity, in the people God chose to use, in its lack of pomp and circumstance. It wasn't the Bible, as Cecil B. DeMille would put it on the screen. It was pretty low-key. But you see, in a sense, what I've tried to get us to see is that teaches us about God. How he chose, because he wrote the script. It's not something that was given to him. He created it. And so I think it is correct for us to say, well, how did he choose then to enter into our human history, to become from heaven to earth? And what does that teach us? about God. To me, it shows us that he is not proud. And in our current popular discussion, he's comfortable with who he is. We've learned that about our personalities, haven't we? It's only when we are very secure in who we are that we're not bothered to go work in a soup kitchen or to be seen in humble circumstances because we're comfortable in who we are. And what people think or what people will say doesn't have that influence over us. To me, choosing to be born in a stable when you're the God of the universe is the ultimate statement that God is, I'm okay with who I am. That seems so obvious, but... It's an important lesson for us about God. He's going to do what he needs and it's right to do. And he is not proud. He's not trying to prove himself. He has no doubts of who's God and who's on the throne. 
But the beauty of this story also tells us how much God cares about those who aren't necessarily famous or powerful. That he did choose Mary and Joseph to live with and to spend his time with, and he wanted it that way. No head of the high priest, no head of any big famous family, no special home. He would grow up learning to work with wood in a dusty little village. He cared about that. And the people he chose to announce his birth to, the people who did get the angelic choir, were the shepherds. And you, I've said in other sermons, in, in that ancient world, the shepherds were looked down upon. They were seen as less than measuring up. And yet that's who God said, I want to send my choir to them. I want them to be the first to know the good news. And that says so much to us about God. We live in a world of status. We live in a world of power, of wealth, of influence, of reputation and who you are. And it's so easy for that to suck us in and, and sometimes think, well, maybe that must be how God is because everybody else is that way. And you see, in Christmas, God is saying so loudly, I'm not that way. You think the world doesn't value you, I do. You think you're not a roaring success. You matter to me. Your world isn't perfect. Your life isn't perfect. You matter to me. So much so that I'm coming to you. And I choose your kind of people to live with and to send my choir to. But God also teaches us in this story that he will be worshipped by the powerful. Peggy said to the kids, those magi, they were smart, weren't they? Wise. And they were. Years ago, we got a Christmas card. I've never forgotten it. Had a simple message inside. Wise men still adore him. And that's true, and it was true the first Christmas. Learned scholars who spent their life as the most respected people of their country because of how wise they were, they read the heavens and said, God is doing something, and we want to see it. We want to be a part of it. Because as wise as they were, they knew they, there was a God that was wiser As powerful as they were, they knew there was a God who was more powerful. And still today, however wise we are, however respected we are, however powerful we are, there's a God who is beyond us. A God we can look to, a God we can follow, a God we can learn from, not because of our need, but because he is beyond us. And there's more to learn from him. He has power beyond us. And we can still look to him. But the story doesn't end here. I put in the notes, this is a chess tournament, not just one game. And we need to see that. And Mark referred to it in his communion meditation. The story isn't finished in Bethlehem. 
in many ways it is God saying to Satan, get ready because I've come into your world and I'm here to do some things. It's just beginning. God's story has moved. God himself has moved. We sang Emmanuel. Christmas is God saying, I have come down into your world and I've come with a purpose, and I've come to do some things way beyond just being born. And so the story is not over. God has come here to be among us. And in the characters of even this story, we see our choices. How will we react to this God who has entered human history? There's... Simeon and Anna, who when this new God, Emmanuel, as a baby comes to the temple, will honor him and praise him and start announcing to the world he is the Messiah. And they will worship and bow before this God. There is the innkeeper sort of standing aside, too busy. Too busy with life, too busy with work, too busy to notice this God who has entered history. We can do that, can't we? Some of us have, maybe some of us are. Life's busy, it's crazy. And it's so easy to live another week without any time for God. Too much to do. And we tell ourselves, don't we? Well, when I get everything done, I'll spend some time with God. Good luck with that. Things are slowing down, aren't they? No, they're not. We don't think it can get any busier, and it does. We don't think we can spend one more plate, and we try. And it's so easy to become the innkeeper. Not because we intentionally say, I don't want God. We just let our lives get sucked up in busyness. And suddenly, God has come and gone. And we can miss him. I would love to know, at some point, does the innkeeper say, Man, did I blow it. God was born. He could have been born in my best suite. They probably didn't have those back then, but we'll call it that. And instead, I gave him my stable. And I didn't even go out to the manger to bow down. I was too busy. Well, there's one other character. And that would be Herod. And we know the events that will fulfill, fall, come out of this. He is threatened by this news that the king might have come, that God could enter history as the Messiah. And so he has all the young male babies in Bethlehem killed. Because he doesn't want God. He doesn't have time for God. He's calling the shots in his life. He wants to be in control. And there's still people today who are saying, I don't need God. I want to call the shots. Herod's life ends a ruin. The only celebration is the fact that we're done with Herod and he's gone. And not just for the 
religious people, Herod was hated by everyone. But you see, the truth of the story is no one can stop what God is doing. Herod couldn't. God worked right around him. And whether we ignore him or not, like the innkeeper, God is doing his plan. He has come here to earth and he's moving the pieces. And the irony in all this of even if you think he's done with you like Zachariah and Elizabeth, 30 years later, he would say, no, I'm not done with you. Your son, who I sent as a sign and to encourage Mary, and for whatever other reasons that same son, now 30 years later, I'm going to draw him back into my story because I'm not done. And that son becomes John the Baptist who announces Jesus' entry into ministry and baptizes him in the Jordan River. And God's story comes all around. Because that's how he works. Don't ever think he's done with you. As long as you're on this earth, he's not done with you. When he's done with you, he takes you. Until then, he has things for you to do. Because that's how he's moving and working. So what's our takeaway as Christmas comes this week? What has God shown us about himself throughout this plan, this strategy, this game, this movement that he's doing? He's working when no one sees. Never think God is not working, because he is. And he may be working in ways we don't see, we don't understand, we don't expect, but he's working. And his timing will not be ours. He will come before we're ready and he will come long after we're frustrated. But he will come in the perfect time. He loves to use ordinary people. Every one of us is just the kind of person that God loves to use. He showed that in this story. And he doesn't need us to be famous or powerful. He needs us to be available to him and willing to trust him and willing to obey and do whatever he asks us to do. And that's all he needs to create the most amazing events and story we could imagine. Christmas. Christ is born. Father, thank you that this isn't just a story. It's you come to earth and we learn so much about you just in how you came to earth. What good news. We have a Savior. Emmanuel, God with us. And you are a God who wants us and uses us and is working and loves us and will create a beautiful story if we'll listen to you and trust you. Help us do that. In Jesus' name, amen. Shall we please stand for our closing?